Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. MLBC is led by Pastor Dennis Fountain and exists to help real people going through real life experience real change through our incredible God. We hope this message will be an encouragement to you, and we'd love to hear how God used it in your life. And as we come to the Sea of Galilee this morning, let's look at verse 22. It says, Now it came to pass, now it came to pass on a certain day that he went into the ship with his disciples, and he said unto them, Let us go over unto the other side of the lake. And they launched forth. But as they sailed, he fell asleep, and there came down a storm of wind on the lake. Now I want to notice, first of all, as we jump into this today, the problem of the disciples. The problem of the disciples. I, I believe like this, the, the, they probably had many problems, right? And, uh, but I believe one of their problems, like us, may have been pride. And they, 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 I think they could have had the attitude of saying, uh, man, boy, Jesus is uh, really lucky to have us along for the, uh, this, this, this boat trip, right? And uh, they, they probably kind of had that attitude, like, all right, come with me, Jesus. We're going to... We're gonna uh, and we're gonna um, take the lead here. Now that we're on the Sea of Galilee, this is like our this is our backyard. This is what we're used to, and uh, and this is what we're gonna do. And that would have kind of often been the spirit of those men and of all of us. But they were going to learn, and I hope we'll learn that it's not about charting the course and then bringing Jesus along, but it's letting Jesus chart the course and following Him. And, uh, and, and when we, we see the problem of these disciples, we're going to see, first of all, that they, as they got into this storm, they did not remember his word. They did not remember his word. Uh, now, the Bible tells us that they launch forth. They go out into the water. Now, it's interesting to me that as they set sail, Jesus, he fell asleep. He fell asleep. Uh, and 13 men get into this little boat. They start sailing. Jesus is so wearied from ministering that he immediately falls asleep. If you look, just, if you look back on what he had just been doing, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's understandable, though. He was teaching. He was preaching. Uh, he was doing miracles. He was exhausted from dealing with difficult family members. Uh, I mean, there's all kinds of things that Jesus had, had no doubt just been doing, uh, and we, we, we see that from the Gospels, uh, and he was exhausted. We see Jesus, who is 100% God and 100% man. And I'm thankful for that we, that we are able to see these little snapshots throughout the gospel where Jesus in his humanity is showing us that he is well aware of what it is to be tired or hungry. And he immediately falls asleep. And it was in this particular moment that Jesus, as Jesus was falling asleep, that these men forgot what Jesus told them. They did not remember his word. Now, Jesus, he told them their destination. He, he made it very clear to them. In verse 22, he said, let us go over to the other side of the lake. That's pretty clear. There is a word that I like to think about sometimes when I think of, how, of Jesus' power and, and God's, God's work in our life and his knowledge uh, is, is, is this word providence. It's taking, taken from two words, pro, video, and it means to see before. And, and Jesus saw before where they were going. How many of you are glad that we serve a God that's in our yesterday and in our tomorrow? And, uh, and he, he said, let's go. We are going to go over to the other side. And he had already made that declaration, and so they launched out. 
Now, when you read the account in Luke 8, as we just did, Jesus said the destination after they got into the boat. And then if you read about it in Mark 4, Jesus also stated their destination before getting into the boat. So it was not something that was just suggested. It was something that was stated very clearly by the Lord Jesus Christ. And what I want you to know that his command to go to the other side was, in essence, it's a guarantee of their safety, of them arriving safely. And he said, we are going to go over to the other side. And I want you to make a note of that, that when God gives you a promise, even if there is a storm that's in the middle, or if there's a delay along the way, you need to cling to the promises of God. But the mistake, of the, prob- the mistake and the problem of the disciples what that, was that they were not listening to the promise of God. And I want you to understand something about God's promises this morning. When you read something in the Psalms or you're going through and you're, you're, you hear preaching or something from God's word uh, here at church, you cannot break God's promises by leaning on them. And D.L. Moody, a great preacher from the late 1800s, was on a ship uh, in the Great Lakes region. And he was out there with, uh, with other passengers as well, and there was a storm and, uh, that, that happened, and it began to be worse and worse. And the passengers started to get fearful, and there was uh, they, so much so that they were scared for their lives. And uh, they st- there was like a spontaneous prayer meeting that erupted amongst some of the passengers, and, uh, and they uh, started this prayer meeting, and one of the men from that, from that group came over to D.L. Moody and said, hey, would you please join us? Come with us and be a part of this prayer meeting. And D.L. Moody, he looked up at the man. He's, he said, uh, I, I'm not going to join the prayer meeting just now. And, uh, and you know, kind of almost shocked, the man's like, what, what, why not? Well, why wouldn't you join our prayer meeting? And, and D.L. Moody's like, hey, I, I've got a sister in Chicago, and I've got a sister that's in heaven, and I honestly don't care which one I meet tonight. And, uh, and we'll see you again tonight. And, and he, he was just being, uh, it was kind of blunt, but uh, at the same time, uh, Moody uh, was, uh, I think, saying, I think what Moody was saying, it, it was, uh, you know, that, that he was, uh, God had seen, he, God, uh, what he's saying is God's seen before where we are going, and I'm going to trust in the Lord. But I think if I was in a situation, I'd be like, I'd want, I'd be, I'd want to see the one in Chicago, right? And, uh, and I, th- I don't know if I'd have the faith of D.L. Moody at that point. But um, anyway, how many of you would say, I want my faith to grow stronger like that? Yeah, I think, well, but what we're going to see as disciples, uh, we're going to see the disciples did not remember what Jesus had said. Uh, and... Uh, He declared their destination, and the destination was a promise to them of safety. And Jesus never promised that there would be no waves. Jesus never promised there would be no turbulence. Jesus never said no sickness, seasickness. And uh, how many of you can, can, you can't be on the ocean for long, and before you start getting some of that seasickness, I mean, you raise your hand there, uh, and can't handle the waves or just the, the what, what the waves do to you. Um, I remember my third grade field trip, and, uh, and we went whale watching on the coast of California, and this is a trip I looked forward to for a very long time, and I prepared for, uh, I knew the day was coming, I asked my mom and my dad if I can borrow, or not borrow, I probably didn't ever give it back, but uh, if I could have some money, uh, when, we, when we were there on the boat, we heard that there was a galley where they were selling food and, and goodies and different things, and so I was prepared, I was ready for this trip, we got out there on the ocean, 
uh, probably saw some, some, some uh, what looked like uh, whales, but honestly, I don't remember. Uh, but I, what I do remember about this trip specifically was that I went to this galley, and they had a wide selection of candy. And, uh, and I chose two, not one, but two of their Hershey's uh, Cookies and Cream uh, the, the white chocolate bars, you know? You know what I'm talking about? Have you raised your hand have seen those and have had those and have enjoyed them? Let me just say this. I no longer enjoy those cookies and cream bars. <laughs> Actually, white chocolate in general I will not eat and, uh, because of this trip. And I remember the, mo- the moment that seasickness came over me, and it was horrible. And it was not a good experience and, uh, and not something I look back on fondly. Uh, and uh, anyway, so it, it changed my life. And... Uh, Seasickness is not great. Um, but uh, Jesus did not say there would be no waves. He just said we we're going to get to the other side. I, I just want to say this morning that there are waves and difficulties that we face in life. And there are times when we are sailing along and the storm comes so suddenly, as we'll see in a moment. But don't question God in those times. Keep your faith in the Lord. They made the mistake of not remembering the word of the Lord. Also, they did not remember his presence with them. They forgot the power of the presence of Jesus Christ. In verse 23, it says, But as they sailed, he fell asleep, and there came down a storm of wind on the lake, and they were filled with water and were in jeopardy. Now the presence of God makes all the difference, but we must remember his presence. Psalm 1611 says, Thou wilt thou will show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand, there's pleasures forevermore. Being right there with Jesus. God says, hey, look, if you are with me in my presence, there's fullness of joy. But they had forgotten who Jesus was, and they had forgotten that he was with them, and that in his presence was full, his fullness of joy. We can understand this. I think you can. Put yourself in their shoes. I think we can all, we can all do this for a second. What had happened was the storm had risen up, the waves started coming over the boat, the water was coming in, so much so that they were scared for their life. They start looking, they start looking, and what, do, do, do they immediately, oh, oh man, we're, we're, Jesus is in our boat, and uh, he's, he's along for the ride, and he's in control. They, they, do they focus on that, or do they focus on the water? Do they focus on the water that's about, they think is about to drown them, that's about to capsize their boat, or whatever the case may be? Help me out. What are they, what are they focusing on? They're focusing on the water. Yeah, we know the answer to that question. They are fo- focusing on the water, and, and, sometimes when, and, some, and sometimes when we are overwhelmed and the water is beating against us, it's not just one or two waves, but it's wave after wave after wave after wave. And sometimes we can forget that Jesus Christ is with us. And when you get that bad news, and when there's that difficulty with finances or with family, whatever it might be, we begin to focus on that problem and forget that Jesus is on the boat. And obviously the storm was threatening them, but the storm was causing them to lose their perspective. I don't know what's happening in your life this morning, but I believe that as the storms come, and they come to everyone, uh, I believe that as the storms come, we need a time on a Sunday morning just like this, or throughout the week as well, to to be reminded to look 
back to the Lord Jesus Christ. To be reminded that the Lord Jesus Christ is still with us. And these storms, though these storms can be unpredictable. And uh, this particular storm was not just any old storm. Uh, Some of these men had spent their lives up to this point on the Sea of Galilee. Like their life, their livelihood came from the Sea of Galilee. That maybe when they grew up, they were probably riding the boat with their dad. I mean, literally, they, 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 this was what they did. And for however old they were, maybe 30 or, I don't know, some of these men probably older uh, or younger, whatever, whatever, however old they were, they were still alive at that point. <laughs> and they had done this successfully and uh, managed to navigate the Sea of Galilee for, the, for however many years. And now they're at this point and they are scared out of their mind. This was not just any old storm. And, uh, and they thought their lives were in danger. And they were worried if, that they, if they would get through the storm and if they would live. And three times we read about the wind. Verse 23 it's mentioned. Verse 24 it's mentioned. And verse 25. And we see that fear developing in their heart. And now we need to recognize that when those winds come, that God has not promised to make us comfortable but he has promised to make us conformable. And God, through these uncomfortable times, is chiseling away at our hearts, and it's making us, he's making us more and more like Jesus Christ. Uh, and he is helping us to become the men of God and the women of God that you would have us to be. And when the storms come, we are either going to look at our little raft that we're making to try to save our, our uh, to get us out of this uh, predicament, or we are going to look to God and become more like him. Uh, the point is that he was right there the whole time, right there, sound asleep in the midst of the storm, but they forgot his presence. Psalm uh, 93, 3, it says this, the floods have lifted up, O Lord, the floods have lifted up their voice, the floods have lifted up their waves, the Lord on high is mightier than the noise of many waters, yea, the mighty, than the mighty waves of the sea. The problem of the disciples, they did not remember his word. They did not remember his presence. And I'm here to tell you this morning that often when we are in the midst of a storm, we are just like these disciples. We forget his word. We forget his presence. And that's why when storms come, and they will, you don't need to get out of church. You need to get into church. That's why when storms come, you don't need to get out of his word. You need to get in his word. And because when the storms come, what we need is the word and the presence of Almighty God. So let's learn a lesson from these disciples that we, can, uh, that we would not forget the presence of Almighty God. And secondly, let's look at this this morning, the power of Jesus. The power of Jesus. And I want us to notice from this passage, the power of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's on full display for us right here in verse 24. And they came to him and awoke him, saying, Master, Master, we perish. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water, and they ceased, and there was a calm. Now, when we come to this verse, we see Jesus calm. Guess what? He's so calm, he's asleep. And he is in a deep sleep, and they have to call on him, Master, Master. 
And Brian and I were talking. He kept coming into the. I was able to, to, to commandeer Pastor's office uh, this week while he was away, and because he has a nice chair, it's really soft and just comfortable. He's got a great desk to study at, and so I was able to do that throughout the week uh, and be in there. Uh, and uh, Brian kept coming in and inter- interrupting me, and it was great. I loved it. Uh, and uh, and no, he would come in there, and he he was like studying like. Right along with me, he was giving me thoughts. Hey, have you thought, have you thought about this? You're preaching this Sunday. Are you thinking about this uh, passage or whatever? And it was great. I was able to glean a lot from him. And, uh, in, you know, uh, there are many stories in the Old Testament where we find these pictures of Christ or types of Christ that really uh, that, that point to Jesus. They're, they're really imperfect, imperfect examples of the one who is perfect. Uh, and uh, and they're, they're really neat because it brings out uh, what who Jesus is and the the, the true and the better. Uh, and and he, we're we're looking at uh, some of those. And one of the things he mentioned, he's like, "Hey, where, who's um, who's a guy in the Old Testament that also was asleep in a boat? Help me out. Who who was also asleep in a boat during a storm? Jonah. And uh, and Jonah was asleep in the in the midst of a storm." And I thought we thought of some of the comparisons uh, between uh, Jonah and Jesus. Jonah, he was called by God to go to Nineveh, right, and to preach uh, to preach to the Ninevites. And uh, immediately, what did what did Jonah do instead of responding in obedience? What he did is he ran from God, and he did the exact opposite. He tried to go as far away from Nineveh as possible, and we see him exhausted from his running from God, that he is asleep in the midst of a storm in the boat. And, uh, and just the comparisons between the two, you have the reluctant prophet, an imperfect man, uh, preaching. Eventually, he'll preach to the Ninevites, and, uh, and they'll turn, to, they'll turn from, from their sin into God. Uh, but, and then you have the perfect prophet. You have the true prophet, uh, Jesus, and asleep on the boat, not from doing the wrong thing, but from preaching and from ministering and doing what uh, what he he came to this earth to do and uh, and fulfilling God's will and uh, and I just love throughout throughout the whole word word of God how we just see it all points to Jesus and uh, and so back to our our lesson our study here uh, going through this we see Jesus he's sleeping. In, in the midst of this, uh, soundly sleeping in the midst of this storm, and uh, and um, and now now uh, Jesus, and they have to call out to him. He's sleeping, and they call out to him, Master, Master. And I, I know some of us sleep a little more lightly than others. Some of you are the sound sleepers. Who are you? The who out in here is a is a deep in a deep sleeper, and they can sleep through anything. You'd be right there along with Jesus sleeping in the middle of that storm. And, uh, and yeah, that you're, you're my kind of people. And that, that's me right there. And, um, yeah, I can really sleep soundly. And it doesn't take much for you to get to sleep. As soon as your head hits the pillow, you're out like a light. A light. And um, uh, Jesus was that same way. It actually, he actually had a pillow. And, uh, it actually talks about the pillow in Mark. Uh, it mentioned him asleep on a pillow, nice and comfy. Uh, and... Uh, yeah, where was I going with that? I don't know. But uh, anyway, uh, and I want to say something about my God this morning. I'm glad that we serve a God who understands fatigue, right? He, who understands pain and who understands difficulty. Just that little snapshot 
right here. And just think about it. Just picture it in your mind. That little snapshot of Jesus asleep on this boat reminds me that God became flesh and dwelt among us. Hebrews 4.15, this is speaking of Jesus, says this, For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmity, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to what? To help in time of need. So you say, man, I've been really tired lately. We have a God that understands that. Your Buddhist statue isn't going to understand that. Your dead prophet isn't going to understand it. But Jesus, he's alive at the right hand of God and make, uh, right there, making intercession for us. And he says, when you're tired, come to me. When you're having pain, I understand your pain from the cross. When you're, you have the loss of a loved one, you're grieving. I, I, I wept when, when Lazarus died. And, uh, and Jesus says, I want you to know I'm approachable. I understand your feelings and your infirmities. So I want you, I, I want you to understand that. And, and, and so I want you to see here this morning that Jesus, he has power over fear. He has power over fear. In verse 24, the Bible says, He arose and he rebuked the wind and the raging of the water, and they ceased and there was a calm. Here we see that the wind was spoken to, and these disciples came to Jesus, and they find him. Mark uh, 4.38, in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow, and they awake him and said unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? You can see it. You can see it in their, hear it in, in, their, in their voice here. Uh, they're, they are afraid. It, it, it's just, it, it, it's, they're afraid for their life. And they, they can come to him. They come to him and asking him for his help. And they, they were concerned that they would die. They were concerned that they would perish. And Satan, uh, Satan when, when, uh, when you're in those storms, wants you to feel like you're not going to make it. He wants you to feel that God does not care. But again, God is always working in our lives, always. God allowed this storm. And he was using the storm to bring the disciples to a point of letting go of their self-sufficient pride where they would call out to Jesus, Master, help us. And so we'd be wise to turn to the Lord quickly when the trials come into our life. And the psalmist spoke of that in Psalm 116, verse 3. It says, The sorrows of death compass me about, compass me, and the pains of hell get hold of me. I found trouble and sorrow. And, the, and then I called upon the name of the Lord. O Lord, I beseech thee, deliver my soul. You see, one of God's purposes for allowing trials is that we would call on the name of the Lord. And so here we see the power of Jesus. He has given them power over fear. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Secondly, we see that he has power over nature. And, uh, and Jesus rebukes the wind. And notice in verse 24, it says, He arose and rebuked the wind and the raging water, and they ceased, and there was a calm. He rebukes the wind. Now, it's entirely possible in my mind, and I think scripturally, to believe that the wind could have been from Satan himself. In Ephesians 2.2, it says that, 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 that Satan is the prince and power of what? Of the air. 
And I believe that Satan fought Jesus every step up to Calvary. This was just one step to Gadara, a few steps around Galilee, and then on down to Jerusalem where he would be, he would be crucified and placed on that whole old rugged cross. And there is constantly the push of Satan against the ministry of the Lord Jesus. And Jesus stood and he rebukes the wind. And there is constantly, a, uh, it, the, like I said, a push of Satan against the ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ. And, and we see Christ showing, demonstrating his power over that. And uh, I'm, thankf- th- I'm thankful that I serve a God who speaks to the wind and he brings, it, brings a calm immediately. Immediately. That's the God that we serve. Uh, Colossians 1 through 17 says, Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature? For by him were all things created and that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. In, in other words, he holds it all together. He has power over all of it. And if he wants to say, peace be still to the wind, that's exactly is what is going to happen. And so the problem of the disciples was great, but they were in jeopardy. They thought their life was over, but the power of Jesus was greater. And let me say that, let's let's, let's think about, say that one more time. So the power of, the problem of the disciples was great, but the power of Jesus was greater, amen? The Bible says in John, uh, 1 John 4, 4, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. May we never forget that. May we never forget, no matter how high the waves, Jesus Christ is our powerful Savior. We'll notice, we'll notice the pro- problem of the disciples was real, but the power of Jesus was greater. But I want, to see, want us to see this, finally, the purpose of the storm. The purpose of the storm. Companies uh, have purpose statements. The company, if you work for a company, they, you probably have, they have a purpose statement. I don't know if you know it, uh, but they probably do. And uh, a reason for existing, for, for, the, the, for the work that they accomplish, this is the purpose. And, uh, and uh, as their employees come to work, something for them to remember, something for them to, uh, to refer back to if this falls under our purpose. And, uh, and, um, and that's a good thing. Uh, and God is, God is also a God of purpose and a God of order. And we see that God has a purpose for everything. And, and let's notice the purpose of this storm as we close this morning. In verse 25, it says, And he said unto them, Where is your faith? Let's say that together. Where, Where is your faith? You know, one of the things that always amazes me about myself and fellow Christians, is you know, right when we think our faith is strong, something comes along to show us that we're still like babies in the nursery, right? And uh, it's right when we think that maybe we're like teenagers or even young adults in our growth spiritually, uh, it, right when we think that's, that's, we're like, man, boy, I'm doing really good and my faith is strong and all of a sudden something comes into our lives and we realize you know what, I have a long ways to go. 
And, uh, and it's, it's how many of you would say, Pastor Rob, I, I can identify with that statement. I, I can identify, and that's, that's me right there. And I, I would definitely say it's true. And, the, and, and we, we, we would be able to say the statement and probably be true about us. Lord, I believe, but help thou my unbelief. And, uh, and we understand the need to keep growing in our faith. And now here's the purpose that Jesus, uh, we see the purpose of Jesus was, first of all, of the storm to teach on faith. Again, the disciples have gotten into this little boat and they, they might have been thinking, hey, we can handle this. We have crossed the sea hundreds and hundreds of times. No problem at all. But God allowed a big enough something into their life that they realized without the Lord, if I don't put my faith in him, we are not going to cross to the other side. And, and that's the lesson Jesus wants us to learn. Where is your faith? And in uh, 1 Peter 1.7, it says that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto the praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. For those of you going through the storm and the trial of your faith, if you're going through a storm, whether you're 87 or you're 17, God has something very special for your life because God does not waste trials. God loves you. And God is not interested in inflicting pain without a purpose. His purpose was to increase their their faith. Some of the strongest Christians that I know and many of whom are in this church have gone through terrible times of difficulty. Some of those that smile the most, some of those that, may, that we may think everything has gone their way, have had lots and lots of trials. But they learned in that trial that this was a precious time and that God was building up their faith through that trial. And so we see the purpose of God was to teach them to have greater faith. And notice, secondly, the purpose was also to reveal his deity. And we see this on display for us. And some of us would say, oh, I know who he is. No, he wants us to really know who he is. I I want us to see this again in this passage, in verse 25. And they, being afraid, wondered, saying one to another, what manner of man is this? For he commandeth, and even the winds and the water, and they obey him. They marveled. We see the amazement of these disciples. They wonder and they marvel at who Jesus is. By the way, let's not get down on these disciples. Let's not do that. You used to say, well, they should have known who Jesus was. No, they were still learning about that, the power. They were still learning about the majesty. They believed on the Lord Jesus. But how many of you like these disciples? As you learn, you learn more wonders about Jesus the longer you get to know him. The longer you are saved. There's a progression in your understanding of his greatness. And they're shocked when they see the water calm and the wind stop, and so would you be. <laughs> and uh, and uh, they are blown away by what God has done. When God puts his deity on display. And I want to tell you that when, when you are tired and when you are going through a trial and when God begins to work, don't miss it. 
Through that trial, pray, Lord, show yourself real to me through this time. When your trials come, watch for the working of God. They ask the question, what manner of man is this? They're amazed at what God has done. And when we think of that question, I want, and, and the purpose of Jesus, what manner of man is this? The answer for that question is given to us very clearly throughout Scripture. And the answer is, is that, that this man is the God-man. He is equal to God the Father. We see in Isaiah 9, 6, it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Well, what manner of, of man is this, you ask? He is wonderful. He is Counselor. He is the Mighty God. John 10.30 says, I and my Father are one. What manner of man is this? This is the eternal God, Jesus. 1 Timothy 3.16 says, And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. What, man of manner of, what manner of man is this? He is the mighty God. He is the Savior of the world. If you are saved this morning, he's in your ship. What manner of man is he? He is the God-man. He is the Son of God. And the purpose of the storm is to simply teach us how to have greater faith. And the purpose of the storm is to remind us who he is. Sometimes I go through life believing God, knowing God, and even loving God, but I forget how great God is. I don't see the greatness of God until the storm comes. Then I'm reminded I am weak and he is strong. And, and then I put my focus back on him, and he helps me through the storm. And I, I want to challenge you this morning, no matter what your storm, God is for you, God is with you, and I want to challenge you this morning, learn from that storm to have greater faith. And learn from the storm that you have a wonderful God.